This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me out. Give me all you got! Listen, Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I am Blake Howard, and once again, I'm joined by Captain Morgan Rome in a goblet and the sensational uh, one leg of the tripod of the Cinephiles podcast and also uh, the resident film geek of Geek of Oz and the first guy that was ever on this podcast, Mr. Stu Coote. Say hello, Stu. Hello. I'd like to say I'm the impressive leg of that tripod. <laughs> I'm probably the, <laughs> I'm the front leg. Okay. I'm, I'm the one that makes the it a tripod. The tip tri- of the triangle. I'm the one that makes it a tripod. <laughs> I'm carrying the other two legs. Liam and Josh are not here to defend themselves, but that's totally that's fine with me. That's how we like it. Look, we're back. And again, um, always happy to have Stu on One Heat Minute because we're going to unpack a minute which is just handed over from the lovely lady, Miss... Uh, Mrs. Sam Kosh, who joined us, um, talking about, I guess, some warmth and a little bit of fragility and maybe humanity in Robert De Niro's Neil McCauley character after being so cold and calculating and uh, and sort of it's his downtime. Uh, yeah, this is a, but it's a strange, unexpected moment of downtime as well. So um, we're we're right on the edge of the 29th minute. We're going to have a look. We've cut. We're in now. You would have listened to two previous podcasts with Miss Sam Kosh talking through those. Um, we're now cutting in right as. Robert De Niro is smiling on the 28th. As he often does. As he often does. <laughs> uh, as we'll later uh, postulate. For those listening in, if this is your first episode of One Heat Minute, welcome. Thank you so much for listening. And number two is you may be watching the definitive edition of Heat, which is available on Blu-ray internationally. But if you're listening in Oz, it's about 10 bucks to JB Hi-Fi, so you probably bought that, which you are smart to do. Um, but we're watching the original theatrical cut. So when I say, you know, 28 minutes on the button, um, a t- 28 colon zero zero, that is on the Warner Brothers theatrical cut that um, uh, on Blu-ray or DVD. So either one of those will get you to this moment. But if you're looking at the definitive edition, that might be a second or two over, but you'll, uh, you'll be able to see that as well. But... We're going to go through that minute. You can have a listen to exactly where we're up to. And then we're, me and Stu are going to come back and talk about it. CDs. Done to you so far. You go to school for that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to Parsons. Oh, where's that? New York City. How long have you been here? About a year. You like it? <laughs> Not really. I'm, I'm mostly here for the work. Live in this neighborhood? Uh, no, I live um, kind of above Sunset Plaza. It's, it's actually kind of a, it's a little house that I rent. It's, it's kind of run down, but a beautiful, beautiful view. What about you? I live up here. It's <laughs> very much. Where's your family from originally? So, a warm Neil 
Macaulay. Something you haven't seen in previous podcasts that you've been hosting, Stu. That's true. And it takes a while, I mean, coming in from the initial contact at the bar next to Edie is one of um, defensive. Yes. And then he realises that as this scene sort of this minute is starting, that she's not a threat and that she's trying to avoid him. He recognises her as working in the bookshop. It's funny, once they get talking and, you know, he's getting some detail about her, I like that when he asks her, you know, did you study? Obviously, it's to be a graphic designer. Yes. And the way she sort of says Parsons, like, you, he should know where that is. Yes. Parsons is a, like, for anyone who doesn't know, because I didn't know what Parsons was, and I've, you know, been doing this podcast, a research is a famous art university in New York City. So it's like a, a visual arts. Um, and I think he recognises... That he should know. He, he should know, because he gets... She holds her smile for a bit like... Parsons. Parsons. And he gives that little sideways look like... Where's that? Where's that? <laughs> I don't... But this seems important... And it's, again, back to the discipline of Neil. Doesn't like to be out of his element, so he turns no. it straight back on her. Yeah, where's oh, that? Do you, do you, where's that? And do you like working here? Like, he back into a part of the conversation that he can sort of... He's back in his back in his element kind of thing. Yes. And turning it back on her. And it's funny that in this conversation, I always feel with Neil, particularly here, is with Edie, he's unguarded, and it's he feels like a novice in this conversation. Like, he feels like, when you say he's out of his depth there, I love that because I'm thinking, when I see him in this conversation, it feels like someone who, you know, oh, I, you know, on my last holiday, I went to the Louvre. Hmm. And he's like, where's, what, that, what's in, the... Is that in San Diego? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, no, the, oh, the other Louvre. Oh, oh, the oh, other. Oh, I'm Because it seems we that's both, in we both know is it. Is that in Burbank? Yeah, yeah that's, we, we both know, but how about you tell me where it is? Oh, the bathrooms are <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bathrooms are over there. Um, but yeah, so that that's the way that she sort of says it. I mean, you know, do you like, you know, and even the way he asks the question, did you go to school, did you go to school for that? Because yeah. she's sort of downplaying in an earlier minute, like she's downplaying you know, I do letterheads, I do album covers, and that level of creativity for him, it doesn't connect with sort of his natural inclination of, oh, you've got to learn how to do that. And she's like, no, I, I went to school for that. Yeah. And, and he's quite inquisitive as well, which gives us a thought of his his background is probably not an educated person. He's probably yeah. come up through the criminal system, through criminal university. Yes. <laughs> the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, and... Probably self-taught a lot of these things. So when he is looking at the books in there, he goes, oh, it's a book on metals. I'm going to learn about stress fractions and titanium by reading about it. By yeah, researching. I'm, I'm actually going to, because he doesn't have that like, oh, you have to have the university degree to get through the door. You just need to be him. You need to be cool and calm and, and just go and, and get the information. And focus. And get it. Yeah, and, and self-sufficient too. Do you get the sense that he does this, is this a legitimate love affair? Or is this something he does to lower the guard in, in, in a sense of like to ease, as to sort of reward the discipline? I don't think it's, I don't think this is um, common at all for there's, Neil. There's not a string of women in, random women in cities that he sort of allows in, or is this just. No, I think his reflexive reaction, like when, and, and we've discussed it in the other podcast, but just to sort of give a bit of shorthand and to catch up is, I feel like it's a reflexive action to him to go, the first line, which is, lady, what do you care what I'm reading or what I do? You yeah. know, like, he, you know, 
what what I read, what I what, who tough, am I? Tough front, straight up. Yeah, and 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 even in the way that you only have to look at the way that he reacts to her initially, as in where did you see me? And so in that brief moment, there's this like sort of where did you see me? So he is constantly like, attempting. Yeah, how to, did I get made? Yeah, where did you get? Like- a- attempting to blend into this concrete jungle, and so much of this interaction is is her inquisition and her asking open questions. And I think Sam put it so greatly, it was just like, imagine sitting on a Sydney train commuting to work and sitting in the quiet carriage or something. <laughs> Someone comes next to you and starts to try and have a chat. What are you reading? Oh, yeah. what are you, you reading George R.R. R. Martin? No. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. And, yeah you're and, naturally going to be defensive. There's that natural defense. But for him, everything about him, even like right now, we've just so happens, we've got it on a still, 28 minutes, 46 seconds. When the camera's facing Neil here, there's warmth. And it's a warmth that isn't seen or isn't characteristic for him in any other part of this movie. It's only when it's associated with Evie. Um, uh, Edie, rather. And Edie, even in this moment, before, the camera is facing their backs. Neil's very closed off. The first part of their interaction, he's, he's going, can you pass the cream? Thanks. He's got a seat in between and them. And that right shoulder's cocked in. Like Close. A, he, yeah. he doesn't want to talk, have this conversation. And it's only when he does decide that he's going to let his guard down that the camera pans beautifully. It's a great, a great, you know, sort of swinging around, beautiful shot movement from uh, Dante Spinotti. Swings around and faces them both. And here we get this open facing them and their open shoulders, softened shoulders. Amy Brenneman's beautiful face there. She's very warm, got earthy colours on. And, and that... You know, right now in this golden light, that harsh grey suit that's pretty characteristic for him. And he's made the assessment, all right, there's a high probability she's not a cop. She's not someone who's trying to get to him. She's not trying to... And and in fact, I, I almost think there's like the briefest of moments of going, you know what, I could have been more invisible. I could have been more invisible had I just been cordial. Because I think there's a there's an invisibility in being cordial occasionally. But at the same time with Neil, he's in his mindset, that cordiality doesn't even come into it. It's like, I need to be invisible, not talk, not make eye contact. From minute one that you and I talked about, and even when he comes off of that train, we talked about Neil not making eye contact, barely um, interacting with people, walking at a slow pace. And not standing out. No. And in an earlier scene, you know, like, just imagine this for yourself and, and guys listening would know this and guys and girls listening. You're reading a book um, in a bookstore, you're browsing, you're about to purchase. Someone walks up next to you. When you see them, you might sort of be apologetic. You might go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm taking up the aisle. <laughs> Neil doesn't do that. He senses that someone's in his periphery. He walks forward. And just moves. Moves. Yeah. Doesn't say a word. Eyes down. Continue looking at the book. Steps back. And so in that moment, she cases him. She sees him again. She's familiar with him. So right at the very but minute... But at the same measure, he's checked her as well. He knows... You know, he kind of knows. Yeah. He kind of does. Maybe just from scanning the room. Yeah. But I think that also once he realizes that she's just from the bookstore, he's like, oh, okay, well, yes, it does make sense. I have gone in there more than once. And it's interesting that she takes... She's not sitting right on top. She is a little distance because when he has to lean in to shake her hand, he's, it's a little distant. Like she's it is. one seat over. There's one seat. No, yeah. but he's chosen that seat. What's great about here, 28 minutes on the button, mm. he slides over. He yeah. finishes moving close to her. They're having a close conversation. And now the camera, instead of being over their shoulders towards their backs, it's actually their fronts. And there's warmth there, like 28 minutes, 12 seconds. 
beautiful Amy Brenneman there, warm colors. There's sort of a goldeny orange in the background. She's got sort of a, you know, um, a, a very sort of light lipstick on. It's not heavy, brown hair, little few little highlights in there naturally. And she's it's, there to, Yeah, and very much non-threatening. Yeah, like, non-threatening. And, and very, not... very happy, very pleasing, you know, and, nice. And, and she's got that kind of, there's like that sort of hippie mist over her as well. She's yes. got a really chill, like, very, vibe to her. Very nice. And, and I think that... She's quite, I think what I, what I think is disarming for him is when he asks, do you like it here? And she says, not really. No, it's honest. And I think that moment where she's like, not really, no, I mean, I'm here for the work and that's kind of it. And we start to hear the end of their conversation and let that trail off. I think he's there, but she's got a very kind of, she's, she's now taking him in before it was like, I'm going to try and be cordial, but now I'm interested that this guy's even got his guard down. So there's a lot of warmth. It's very. It's a. It's a bit of a meat cute in a movie that is extremely masculine and has lots of uh, assault rifle gunfights. Um, it's a bit of a meat cute in this moment. And when when the minute sort of concludes, we're in her apartment. We're looking down at a view. We're looking down at is a that view. To her place or to his place? They go back to her. No, that's her place. Is it? I yeah. Thought they said, I thought he said, she goes, I live somewhere. No, he, he says, goes, do you live in the area? And she goes, I live close. And oh, so, I thought he said, I live close. And she no, says, she lives in. No. She's got a very lovely view. Very lovely view. She's got a view of Los Angeles in the hills and it's a sea of lights. And instead of, you know, to contrast Neil's actual sea in Malibu. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, because that's where, where Val Kilmer is when yeah. he turns up. Yeah, so, you know, she's got this sea of lights having this great conversation and you're looking down and, and this is, you know, we're just before another scene where we see... <coughs> Probably one of the most manufactured shots in the whole of Heat, which is um, a, a sort of two shot of their faces, a sort of close, intimate shot where they had to sort of do some digital effects to get them in the evening. It stands out. It stands out a lot in a yeah. 1995 movie because yeah. they had to do yeah. a bit of digital. Yeah, it, but but here, this is a beautiful, organic, real shot that it closes out the previous, you know, the the 29th minute, which is them looking down into the sea of lights and them just being cordial and having a relationship. But it's a touching way for him to have. You know, we we said before that Pacino is, you know, in another episode that he's like, he's one king in the jungle and he's going about business this way. There's another way where Neil is also surveying his lands as well. Like yes. from, a, from a, another angle, he's up on top, looking down, post-heist, post-savouring yeah. a moment. Because I reckon that's part of this as well. This is part of his sort of a slight, not a victory dance as such, but he's like, We've done some good work. We are going to slow down. I am going to just enjoy life. He takes me as a man who, when he stops to enjoy something, enjoys it fully and does it properly. Instead of... This, not- this feels foreign to me. It's really interesting. I mean, it's a great yeah. take. But yeah. for me, Neil is here doing something that he is, un- is not usually doing. Yeah, but and- I, don't, I don't take him as a man who would be like, every city I go to... I have a, a one oh, done no. one night stand just for the sake of getting no. the rocks off. No. But if I'm gonna stop and let this woman in, I'm gonna do it properly. Yeah. And I'm gonna like I'm gonna enjoy it and I'm gonna savor it. Because ultimately, once the heat's around the corner, he does he doesn't mind walking out on her. He's willing to let her go. But when he does let her in, I'm gonna fully stay in this world, I'm gonna stay in character mm. until I I don't. Yeah, it's a really Which, it's it's really interesting, right? Because he's he is maintain he's he's Neil the salesman right now. Yeah, he's established a character 
my name is Neil, I'm a salesman, I'm a metal salesman, he holds his hand out. That gives him an excuse for not being around. Like, and like why would he go to a restaurant to read like that book? He's going because he's there, he's going to stop. Convenient. Well, but he's going to stop, he's going to enjoy it, he's going to take his time, he's going to enjoy life. Yeah. Not, he's not always on the job. I think this is a time when he's like, well, I'm off the job. I'm going to pretend to be a normal person and fully go into it. I'm cl- I'm close to you on that, but I my my argument the is the control's I, still there. I think the control is there when he's reading that book and when he changes his mind about Edie. For me, this is the way that I read it. When he changes his mind about Edie, that's when he goes, I'm going to be unguarded and I'm going to pretend that I'm a person. Yeah. In that in this moment, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to go, this is a moment where I can look at it and I can I can pretend to be Neil the salesman just for a moment with her. And it releases the pressure off Absolutely. like his brain constantly cuz he's his mind would constantly be going the next job, the next job, the next job. Scan, scan, scan. You need a time when you just go, you know what, I'm going to have a, mm. a nice scotch with a lovely lady on a balcony overlooking a digital representation <laughs> of 95 Los Angeles. I don't think this is digital. I think this is a beautiful shot. It's a night shot with Spinotti. I think yeah. in a minute, the side-by-side shot. Oh, the shots... side one is the one I'm talking about. The one that looks like they're floating heads. On a... <laughs> yeah, it looks like you're in the back of a car in vertigo. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, but we're going to see that in the next minute. So let's go. Let's talk a little bit more about the conversation. Like, as we're, What are we learning in that conversation? We're learning like Neil's inquisitive, but you can clearly see you know, he's coming from more of a working class background. And even though he's not, you know, she wouldn't immediately go, oh, you're a crook, you don't know what Parsons is. Um, he's kind of, you know, did you go to school for that? You know, he... he yeah, he shows his hand a bit. Yeah, it's a little bit more of his personality because he's not, he doesn't have much sophistication. He's very astute, but he doesn't use sophisticated language. He doesn't muck around. He's no. just sort of asking clear questions. Which is fine. And, and it's sort of taken by her to be, you know, as a, it's almost like a, a pickup artist kind of thing because he turns it straight back on her. Yeah. It's no, cute, it's playing yeah. dumb. He's yeah. like, she thinks it's cute. She's and smiling like, at him. Oh, I want to hear about you. And it's like, oh, this man wants to hear about me. And it's him just going, the more we talk about you, yes. you're, you're not getting any information about me. But I can imagine like if she said, oh, where did you grow up? He'd go, oh, enough about me. Let's talk, Let's about, talk you. about you. Yeah. Oh, where were you, you know, last year? Or where, where do you live? And he doesn't even say, it's a fairly nondescript armor. <laughs> I'm around. I'm a salesman. <laughs> yeah, I'm a salesman. Like, and he gets that in early. Yes. Because that then allows for the, to explain that I'm on the move or I, you know, there's no, there's nothing permanent about what we're about to have. What's your thought on her as a character? Let's compare, and this is a question I, I like to ask is, what's your thought on her as a character when you compare her to Charlene? Because Charlene Chihilis, ferocious, tall. She's Ashley Judd's character who plays across from Val Kilmer, his partner. You've got Justine, played by Diane Venora who almost in a way feels as alpha as Pacino in this sort of weird um, uh, relationship, especially in their last interaction. And then you've got Neil, who's so cold and calculating and Mr. Blend In. And you've got, uh, what did you say? The, the hippie haze? Or yeah, the hippie vibe. The hippie but vibe the, of the hurt. Like what, the, the what? disadvantage she has, uh, as opposed to the other two women, is they know who they're with. Yes. They know exactly. The, they point. know, and there's a reason they're with that person, despite that, or because of that. Yes. So there's a reason they either enjoy, they either accept the drama for the good times or they enjoy, they're volatile themselves. Yes. Like we see the person that... uh, Justine. Justine cheats with, or both women cheat with. Yeah. They're so different to the the big personalities of their husbands and it's just like, or their partners. And it's like, we just want a little bit of a time when we're either not getting yelled at, don't have a drop kick, or we can actually 
share a moment with someone. I think... And they've got more control because, again, you've got a bunch of alpha characters there, whether you're talking about men and women, um, um, who have different levels of control. And they're butting, they're constantly butting heads. Like, you know, the the marriage is on the decline or uh, Chris is a gambling addict and it's like, you know, he won't change despite her threatening to leave. And so the contrast is a compliment. And Edie doesn't know. Edie's coming into this going, I've just seen a guy who comes to a bookshop a lot. Yeah. So I know he reads. That's a that's a tick for, for most <laughs> think most most young ladies out there want that in a man can, can read. Where, wears a jacket. Knows how to, you know Knows how to iron a shirt. His shirt's clean. Knows how to iron a shirt. Can shave a, a mean can, precise goatee. And I you know, might be worried about the cream in the in the coffee, but that's another thing. Um but yeah, but so as all she gets is he's a like he's a nice older bloke who seems to be interested in her. Yeah. And got a nice a good life he doesn't really she doesn't get exposed to except towards the end she gets exposed to a bit of his temper like who he, who he actually is and how and he's short and he then when he finally comes hands up and goes look I am going are you coming with me in or out yes then she has the choice yes and you think that but yeah it's, if a, the, if it's the really film, interesting if the film didn't roll out the way it did she would just become another one of those women on the side going you know, it's you, you know. You It'd be can't... a fascinating story to see it roll out and see the evolution of Edie from you know hippie dust artistic, you know very you know sophisticated sort of girl who who likes being in the community to being you know against life on, his life. life on the run, life never on knowing run. if he's ever going to come back, never yeah. knowing if she's going to get arrested. Yeah, so at odds with the kind of vibe that she puts off now. But yeah. she puts she's a bit like not and not even naive. She's got that. She's, she's just a, softness. It's but she's even got like a little bit. She's a little bit older and she gives off that vibe of like, you know what? Maybe I didn't plan to be here when I was 15. Yeah. This wasn't the life I wanted, but I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Like I've, I've studied, I've got a job, I've got a house. What, what more do I, like it's yeah. not a matter of... The work's good. The work's good. I'm not, I'm not stoked to be here because I don't like the lifestyle, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to... And it's, you know, it's not that she's settled for it in life, but she's no. like, you know, she doesn't, she's not complaining and you get that vibe. Whereas the others are like... We want the good life. We want that the high energy, high. And, and and if you're gonna be a crook, we want to like and and in very specifically in the case of Charlene, she's like, and they use the phrase "not enough steaks in the freezer" at some point. But it's you know, we if you're going to do hardcore crime, there has to be a risk versus reward analysis yeah, for the wife at home. We're not walking away with nothing because no. what's the point? And right? in a previous podcast, I spoke to Joe Lynch. Um, uh, we talked about people talk about the Sopranos being sort of revelatory around showing a gangster family or the wife of a criminal who's completely aware of the criminal activities. Whereas I I think that's one of the, the things that I give, you know, multiple ticks to in heat and continue to appreciate every time I rewatch it is that Charlene is a wife who is acutely aware that her husband's a crook. Yeah. And not that she necessarily has to participate. She's not there looking at engineering and schematics on how to trick out an alarm system, but she's very aware of what the impacts to her family are and she's willing to protect her family if she and knows she the play- risk is big. And she plays the game right to the very end, like yes. giving giving away the warning sign when he comes back for her, doing all that. So she's and doing that under the nose of the cops. So yes. she knows. And same for Pacino's wife. Yeah. Well, she knows that he's a workaholic. She knows he's a bit of a son of a bitch, but also knows <laughs> that he's a reasonably good stepfather yeah or like you know he's doing his best by Natalie Portman yes 
Um, but again, she would be aware. Like she says, they have that, that sort of touching scene where she's like, I'll take you anyway. Like I told you, like I'm in for this fat, bald, whatever. Yeah. I will, I'll take you. But I don't want leftovers. I but want I, sharing. Yeah, exactly. And so she's, she's well aware. Yeah. But it's whether an option, an option if whether he'll ever let her in. Yeah. Whereas Edie, Edie will never, you get the sense that even if they had a run off and lived happily ever after. There's no happily ever but, after with Eddie. But he wouldn't have even... Know, there's probably not much more to McCauley. Like, what's <laughs> no. he going to open up about? Like, he, Did this, this great score. Did this awesome score. <laughs> oh, you tell us that every time we drive past the shop. Yeah, put a shotgun in the guy's face. I know. <laughs> you can see him like, explaining it to one of his friends and she's in the background miming everything that he's about to say. <laughs> then I shot him in the foot and rah, rah, rah. But it's... Yeah, it's an interesting... They've got an interesting chemistry, which I think is put... Like... It's, it's written very well, and again, it's just the like you said in the facial expressions of the the tense, then the softening and the the camera work. It's a it's a touching little moment with all within like thirty seconds. Yeah, of thirty the, seconds yeah. of the sixty, and then we sort of see their relationship flesh out and expand. And good storytelling to jump then straight to here. Yeah, like there's nothing like the hit, no, and especially because he he telegraphs it with do you live around here? Yeah, and then it's like sort of setting up something further, and it's not him saying. How about we get the check or her having to say, you just go, look, they probably had a nice cup of coffee there and came back here for, for a nightcap. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a nightcap and end this episode now with Stu on 29 minutes. Um, exactly. It has been the 29 minute of Michael Mann's uh, epic 1995 crime story, Heat. And we're seeing the softening of Neil McCauley. We're seeing the man behind... The grey suit, actually, a little bit underneath there. So I'm super excited. Stu is a co-host of The Cinephiles, the biggest leg and strongest and sturdiest leg on the tripod, according to him, and the film critic um, extraordinaire of Geek of Oz. Stu, thank you so much for coming back thank to you. One Heat Minute. Always pleasure. a pleasure to have mm-hmm. you on. Um, I've been Blake Howard, as always, your host. If you want to check out One Heat Minute, anything One Heat Minute, please go to oneheatminute.com. You can subscribe there. You can subscribe on uh, Android or on iTunes. Um, Thank you so much to Garth Franklin for our website design. Thank you to Paul Davies for our music. And thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends about One Heat Minute. We enjoy you guys listening along. And if you have any feedback, cool articles, anything you want to discuss with us, mail at oneheatminute.com. I've been Blake Howard, as always, at Batman on Twitter. Stu has been with us. He is Stu underscore watchers on Twitter as well. Thank you, Stu. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening.